Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. In the latest Key of David television program, Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry offers his free book, The God Family Vision. So I've just gotten into studying this again, and I was absolutely staggered by a section here titled Before the Beginning. Some of the, some of the most really stunning and shocking material I've looked at in a really long time. I've studied this before, but somehow it never stood out to me in such a way as it did this time. Notice here in John chapter 1. Don't worry, I'm not going to step on the subject of that Key of David program. It's quite quite a different subject today, I think. But John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. So that's the beginning. But really, as Mr. Flurry writes here in the God Family Vision, which you can get a copy for free of, at thetrumpet.com. This was before the beginning. Because really, God and the Word don't have a beginning. They have, as the Bible says, neither beginning of days nor end of life. That is so deep that human beings can't even comprehend it. In some ways, we can at least grasp the idea of never dying. We're already alive. We have not experienced what it is like to die yet. And so perhaps our imaginations could help us think about just continuing to live on and on and on. But God and the Word have existed without a beginning as well. How is that even possible? How can we ever grasp something like this? There is literally nothing in the world around us or in the entire universe that has existed without a beginning, without a definite created starting point except God and the word. So we're talking about infinity, infinity years, and even (laughs) more than that, and really beyond years. It transcends any measurement of time because God and the word predate time. 
They existed when time didn't even exist yet. They invented time. And so the question comes up, what were they doing for all that time? Mr. Flurry asked this question on page three of the God Family Vision. What was going on with God and the Word before they created the angels and the universe? This is a good question, and one which God doesn't really answer in the Bible. We know all about the mystery of God and the Bible, as unlocked in Mystery of the Ages. But what about the mystery before the ages? That knowledge will undoubtedly be revealed after humans are born into God's family as spirit beings. There is still a lot we don't know. It is exciting to think about. So this is the part that really interested me. I've thought about John 1 verse 1, how God and the Word were together. As Mr. Flurry explains there, in John 1 verse 1 where it says the Word was with God, it's not really talking about them being side by side next to each other. The word was with God in total unity of purpose, solidarity, oneness of mind, absolute perfect peace. The word was with God and the word was God. These two eternally existing God beings who have been around since before the beginning. I've thought a lot before about, well, what they must have talked about, how they must have been able to have the most deep, scintillating, stimulating conversations. But I must confess that I've never really thought about what they did before they created the angels, before they created the universe and the earth and human beings and everything else we have in this environment around us today. But they had to have been doing something for infinity. Sure, it's great to talk. They can endlessly expound upon their perfect natures, the depth of their love, their perfect spiritual character. Of course, we know that their character written down is God's law, the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of depth in there, a lot of inspiring meaning. I'm sure God in the Word could talk a lot about that but they had to have been doing something too. And we simply do not know what that was. We don't know what was going on back then. But Mr. Flurry speculates here in the God family vision about how much the apostle John must have known about this time before the beginning this time before time, because Jesus Christ was really close to John. 
He told John things he didn't tell the other disciples. And so maybe John has unlocked the greatest depth ever about this period before the beginning. But again, we simply don't know so much of what God and the word did back then. Now, I just think it's fascinating to think about this and ponder this because it does help us really a lot in our everyday lives. It really can change the way we think, change the way we live. Obviously, if we have a relationship with God, and hopefully we all do, this can really help us be a lot more humble. Realizing how small we are next to God. But it's not just that. We can really marvel at the humility that Jesus Christ had. In John 5 verse 30, he says, I can of my own self do nothing. That's Jesus Christ talking. This eternally existing, all-powerful God being. No one ever created him. No one ever taught him anything he didn't already know. And yet, here he is with the humility to say he is absolutely powerless without his father. Here is a God being, the word, the spokesman of the God family, who chose to come to earth as a human being and become mortal and to die for us. God has existed forever. Every day there's ever been, God has been alive for it. He's seen it. But Jesus Christ has existed forever minus three days. He was in the grave for three days. And then God the Father resurrected him. And even that, no one else could do something like that. Bring someone back from the dead. Only God and the power of God could make that happen. But Christ chose to go through all that, that vicious, violent suffering and death. He chose to miss out on three days of life when really that was a completely foreign concept to him. He had lived forever without a starting point. But he has that three-day gap in his existence where he was dead, unconscious, buried in the grave until God resurrected him. And while Christ was a human, he was fully aware of his shortcomings, well, really his weakness, because he was a human, because he was able to sin at any time. 
And yet for 33 and a half years, he never did. Not even a wayward thought. Not even a stray desire. Not one sin. He could have, but he didn't. This is a perfect, eternal God being who gave it all up and who walked the tightrope of perfection as a human being for 33 and a half years. How incredible to choose to do that so that God could have a family so that it would no longer be just God and the word in the God family. And really back then they were united with God in charge, but truly they became a family when Christ was conceived in Mary. Really that is when the God family started and Christ had to follow through and pay the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of all mankind so that more God beings could one day be a part of the God family. God wants human beings to join his family. And God and Christ were willing to do whatever it took to make that possible. So that really is inspiring. And just the fact that Christ had so much humility He realized his limitations as a human being and depended completely and totally on God. It's just incredible. Total humility from a perfect, everlasting, all-powerful God being. Notice Psalm 22, verse 6. Christ as a human being basically had this mindset where he said, but I am a worm. Again, a God being thinking this way as a human being, thinking with this kind of depth of humility, I am a worm. So many of us today, So many people in the world today could do well with this kind of mentality. We all could use a bit more humility. Isaiah 40 shows so much about God's power. It really is an awesome chapter. And here, God is... Essentially, letting us know the, the, the depth, the height, the expansive reach of his power. Everything that he is able to do that we simply can't do. Isaiah 40 verse 13 says, Who has directed the spirit of the eternal, or being his counselor, has taught him? Who is going to tell God what to do? 
Verse 14 says, With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding. You see, we human beings sometimes think we know better. We think that we can outsmart God or come up with a better way than God. And yet to God, there's nothing new at all. He's seen it all. He knows everything. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We can't teach him anything. We can't show him that he is wrong because he's not. And it does take humility to come to this realization. But if we think about this time before time, if we think about this period before the beginning where God and the word existed together forever without a starting point, it really should help us be a little bit more humble because we can't even comprehend how it's possible. We have no idea how God and the word did this, how they could pull off living forever without a starting point. And yet it is the only explanation for life and for everything that exists today. Evolutionists cannot explain how the first particle of matter came into existence before somehow exploding in a big bang to cause everything else to exist. They don't know where that first particle came from. The only existent, the only explanation is someone eternally existing without a starting point. And yet we cannot wrap our minds around that. It's too deep for us at this time. We are so small and we need so much help from God. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. In fact, it will revolutionize our lives. It will make our lives so much better. There's a really good song from a Philadelphia Church of God musical titled Undefeated, the story of Isaiah and Hezekiah. It's titled Comfort My People, Behold Your God. It's basically like two songs wrapped up in one. And it's based on Isaiah chapter 40. We'll go ahead and play that now. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God, comfort Jerusalem. Declare with a voice strong but As only a mother can soothe Their sins are forgiven Their warfare has come to an end Comfort, 
Jerusalem. Strengthen, strengthen my people, says your God. Strengthen the feeble knees. I have gathered my flock with my arm as only a shepherd can guard to water I lead them and make them to lie down at ease strengthen the feeble Strong, fear not. Behold, your God, his right hand is holding you. Behold, he is coming soon. Be strong, fear not. Behold, your Behold your God, the mighty one. Behold your God, behold he comes. The path is forged, the way is paved. Behold your God, behold he comes to save. He holds oceans in his hand. Measures heavens with a span. He calculates the dust of the earth. He balances and weighs hills and mountains in his scales. He knows their every measure, height, and girth. For who can be his guide? From whom is God advised? And who can be his cunning counselor? For who has formed his thoughts? From whom has God been taught? And who directs the spirit of the Lord? Your creator has no equal or limit. His strength has no constraint. He is never tired nor weary. Never is he faint. As locusts we appear to the God whom we revere. He sits above the circle of the world. Where the cosmos he extends like a curtain without ends And like a tent the heavens are unfurled Now lift your eyes on high, behold the starry skies How God created everything in sight Their number he can claim, he calls them all by name He holds them in the greatness of his might So the nations are a drop of a bucket and dust upon the scales. They are valued less than nothing, they're worth of no avail. Behold your God, the mighty one. Behold your God, behold he comes. The path is forged, the way is paved. Behold your
was the song Comfort My People, Behold Your God from the PCG musical Undefeated, the story of Isaiah and Hezekiah. And really, we should marvel at God's greatness. We should try to comprehend all that God can do that we can't. And we should try to realize that one day we could have similar power. We could be a part of his family and live like he does. Daniel 4 shows what happens if we really start to think too highly of ourselves. This is the example of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And he started to exalt himself. He started to give himself all the credit for Babylon's greatness. And so God drove him out, forced him to eat grass like an ox for seven years. And that was for the purpose of teaching Nebuchadnezzar that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. Daniel 4, verse 32. It says here in verse 33 that Nebuchadnezzar's hair was grown like eagle's feathers. His nails became like bird's claws. He completely knocked Nebuchadnezzar down. We have to realize that the God we serve existed before time itself. He existed before the beginning. We are nothing compared to him. We should look to him for power and for everything we need. He can work any miracle for us. We just need to have some humility. Christ set the example in humility while he was on the earth. Verse 37 shows that Nebuchadnezzar learned his, his lesson. This is still Daniel 4. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. That is a wonderful powerful lesson for us to learn. We need humility and it really helps to have humility when we think about the God who existed before the beginning. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.